from the last plane to the last bullet to the last minute to the last man. We fight. We fight. We fight. We fight. We fight. We fight. Hello and welcome, Aviators fans, to the 2022 AUDL season. You are listening to In the Cockpit, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Aviators. I am your captain, Michael Kioi, and I invite you to glide with us for the entire season as we talk to your favorite high-flying players and bring you the inside information about our season on the field. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Aviators fans across the board, welcome back to a new season of Aviators Ultimate. This is 2022, season two of In the Cockpit. I am Jacob Bomber, and I am super stoked to start to start a new season with you guys and to get some new awesome teammates and guests going on the podcast. And before I go any further, I want to make sure that my co-host introduces himself and we talk a little bit about what's been going on. Kioi, what's happening, man? Great to have you back. Oh man, Jake, it is so good to be back. I'm very excited like you are to start this 2022 podcast and even more excited to start the season. I will say in the off season, I really appreciate feedback from teammates, friends, family about the pod and we had no idea how it was going to do but it it's pretty popular in terms of our small little circle so we're gonna keep doing it and hopefully it grows but yeah great to see you again yeah definitely had multiple people come up and be like yeah i randomly put the episode on recently and it was fun to just go back and listen because you never remember what we say and i was like yeah i never remember a conversation after the conversation (laughs) i go back and re-listen all the time so yeah, if anybody has uh, new things you want us to talk about, different things we want to ask, or anything like that, definitely let us know. And teammates, family, friends, we'd super appreciate all of your support with the show. Um, so, Aviators had an interesting offseason in a lot of different ways, but one of the biggest ways was an awesome opportunity to travel and play. Kiwa actually went there and participated, so give us a little uh, summary of what you got to do. Thanks, Jake. The tournament was called TEP, and it was held in Medellin, Colombia, which is about an hour plane ride from Bogota. And it was such a privilege and a fortunate pleasure to be able to participate. For those of you that aren't as aware, this is the biggest Latin tournament all year, and they had 16 men's teams I believe they had 16 women's and 12 mixed. So there was a ton of people there all throughout South America and and the United States. So just an amazing experience to see what's going on internationally with Ultimate. And I can tell you right off the bat that Ultimate is very strong down there. Very, very strong. And they're extremely skilled and super fun to hang out with. So I would say overall experience, A+. I won't go too much into all the details, but I did want to emphasize that over the first couple days, aviators were able to do a youth clinic for over 400 kids. And the 
I, I, I say kids, but it, they also ranged up into their low 20s. So a lot of junior high, high school, college students. And we did not know what to expect. I really give credit to Sonia for thinking on her toes. Sonia is our general manager for those that don't know. And also to Aaron Weaver, Wayne Kirch. They were some of the first blitz. They were some of the first people to um, land down there. And they, and they had a lot of work in terms of getting the clinic organized and going. But huge props to our whole team for participating in that and really, I guess, helping the youth and motivating them. And, and they were so excited, wanting jerseys, wanting autographs, pictures. I think Weaver probably has a thousand more Instagram followers now than <laughs> before. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I guess the actual playing part of it was equally as exciting. We were able to get through all of our pool play games undefeated, got to quarters, had a really tough game in quarters, managed to win on universe point after a couple turnovers on each side, made it to semis, forced it all the way to another universe point starting on defense. And this was maybe the only blemish on the weekend was a really tough call by um, a Colombian player. Disc was high, pretty much uncatchable over Seamus's head and the person he was defending. But I, th I think that, you know, that's what happens sometimes. There's a language barrier as well. So trying to state our case and them trying to state theirs was, was difficult. But overall, cannot speak highly enough about Colombia and all the people there. Food was fantastic. Um, travel arrangements are great. And it's very inexpensive. <laughs> it, it looked like everybody that participated had an amazing time start to finish, whether it was just the travel side, whether it was just the ultimate side. Sam Plasman may or may not have had a struggle getting home a little bit to nobody's surprise, but <laughs> made it back safe. So it looked like everybody had an amazing time. Yeah, I would highly recommend the tournament to any teams that are thinking about going AUDL or club and just realizing that International Ultimate has arrived. They are extremely competitive in multiple countries and I think that bodes really well for Olympics and or Ultimate in the Olympics and expanding the league to some Latin countries. It's it's going to be awesome. That is what we want to hear. Um, definitely a lot of other stuff happened during the off season and we can get to some of those as we have more episodes and other things going on, but definitely excited for our guest. Kyo, you want to go ahead and uh, let the people know who we got with us? Yes. Our guest is a complete rock star. One of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet. Xavier Charles. We, we we call him X, and that's how we're going to refer to him for the rest of the pod. But he is a ultimate player. He is a stuntman. He is a smooth dresser. And just <laughs> overall, super cool guy. X, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What's up, fellas? 
Oh stoked man. Stoked to have you, dude. So stoked to have you. So X, we're just gonna jump right into it. Can you okay. can you tell us a little bit about your athletic background and your introduction to Ultimate? Okay. So um I grew up watching a lot of racing, Formula One, NASCAR. I'm from Virginia, so that's where the NASCAR part comes in. Um, wanted to go be a race car driver. Went to racing school, did a reality show for racing. But things don't always go the way you want, so I ended up uh, having to pass up on that. But before that, I, I, in high school, I ran track. I played football and stuff like that. And so, you know, the whole running and catching receiver role, cornerback role, just really fit me really well. And so uh, I joined the military after the racing thing didn't work out because I didn't want to be stuck in Virginia. And so um, we used to play different sports for physical training and ultimate Frisbee was one of those sports. And uh, immediately I was just like, oh, this is kind of like football, but with a disc. So I, I picked up on it really well. Um, you know, and, and then it's like every new player that when they first start, they they can they can run really fast and they can catch it. But then it's like, what do I do now? And it's like backhand. <laughs> so you do the shortest backhand possible and just take off and just try to do it again. And um, and that kind of hooked me. Uh, I ended up getting stationed in Arizona. So I was playing in Tucson with a lot of those guys and and they're really good down there. And so it was kind of one of those things. It was like, oh, watch out. He's really fast and he can play good defense. But once he catches it, throw a hard mark on him. Let's see what happens. And so then I was like, okay. So the competitor inside me was like, all right, I got to work on a flick. I need to do like hammers. I got to get all of this down because they're not going to keep clamping down on me every time I catch this disc. So, yeah, you know, the competitive drive and then you, you just expand from there. And it's um, and as I hopped from city to city, then it was like, okay, well, the easy way to meet people is just find the nearest pickup and and then we're off and rolling. This is the first time I have ever heard that ultimate is a thing in the military. <laughs> I have never that would never cross my mind even like, yeah, they would play ultimate because ultimate still to this day has a certain stigma and that stigma definitely does not align with the military. <laughs> so, is this like is that actually a thing? That's yeah. is that a known thing? Does it is it in branch to branch or is it specifically like uh, I'm it I'm sure it, I'm sure it depends. Um at least in the at the base I was at Davis Mothin, which is an Air Force base, uh, we had like flag football leagues and in different seasonal things that we would do. But for training, they're like, okay, let's mix it up a little bit here. And so then they would just throw out ultimate frisbee, and it's like, okay, let's let's see what everybody can do. Let's try something new, see how well you can adapt. And so that's kind of a, you know, what hooked me there. So what branch of the military did you serve in? I was in the Air Force as a weather forecaster. Nice. I love that. And I I actually didn't know that you had not played any organized college or anything like that before us us meeting and that to me is pretty incredible. I mean, you you made a pro team aviators and just picking stuff up like up as you go, which is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, um, that was one of those things. I, after Arizona, I got sent to Virginia, and um, I was playing with a team out there, and a couple of times I would run into 
you know, some guys that were pretty quick and had really good throws. And they're like, oh, do you know who you were just guarding? And I'm like, no, who is that? And they're like, oh, he, he plays pro. And I'm like, okay. Like, it, it just, it wasn't that shocking because I was able to keep up with them and I could still guard them. Now, granted, a lot of those guys could probably jump over me while I'm standing still. And, <laughs> and their throws were amazing. But it was like, okay, I mean, I love defense anyway. So as long as I beat them to the disc, if I body them out, then I got a good shot here. So maybe this thing could work. And so then that's when it kind of started to, I started to think about it a little bit more. And then once I got sent out to LA, it's like, okay, now I'm doing stunts and acting. So I've got some free time. So I tried out, uh, I tried out the first time in 2018 and I thought I did pretty well. I was very happy with my tryout. And then I uh, tried out again in 2019 and made the squad. Specifically the aviators that you're talking about. Yeah. Made the aviators. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just make, make sure we're on the same page. Was that, what did it look like in terms of playing with club teams and doing that? Like, what was, did you go just from these military pickup and local pickups to aviator stuff? Or what else happened in between to fill the gap? Gotcha. Um, in between, so um, in Arizona, it was mostly pickups. Matter of fact, it was entirely pickups in maybe a couple of leagues. And then uh, once I got sent to Virginia... Uh, I started playing a little bit of like really low level club. And then I came out here and tried out for the squad. There you go. All right. <laughs> Small beginnings to <laughs> hitting the top floor or whatever. That's. <laughs> I mean, well, playing playing football and stuff like it, it teaches those instincts, especially on the defensive sure. side, cornerback and stuff like that. So I knew what I was looking for. And and as long as I could figure out what the guy I was guarding was looking for, then if I can beat them from point A to point B, that's a turnover and I'll take it. Yeah, especially as the corner, like, you know, everything about making sure you're positioning on your person that you're guarding and being aware of the timing of a play and looking for the thing flying through the air. I feel like receiver and corner are the two things that transmit the most from football to ultimate and so you just have a leg up right there just in terms of footwork and acceleration out of cuts and closing speed and all that that's super super advantageous absolutely that was um and and with ultimate it was like if you get the turn now you're on offense and it's like okay i've been chasing you around so i know how tired you are so now that i've got this turnover now you got to chase me and so that was the thing that was always exciting like you hear somebody huffing and puffing and you got the turn and you're like okay he's gassed i'm not and now you get that instant reward of i get to score now i get to reap the benefits of the mm -hmm. thing that i just created <laughs> for sure so x do you have like in your in your career this is kind of a two-part question but i'll i'll remind you of the second part if you need it okay do you have any huge highlights or special moments that you can think of and also along your journey since you've been so many places are there some players that have really helped you or that you really admire that you really respect um huge highlights oof um i'd say so in one in my first season in one of the games when i was playing against uh, san jose uh, they marked me up against, um, oh, I can't remember his name. I think it was like uh, Marcelo. Oh, yeah, Marcelo Sanchez. Yeah, and so um, 
But somebody warned me. It might have been Blitz, and he was just like, "All right, so he's pretty dangerous in there. He's taller than you, but you're quicker than him. So let's see what you can do. Just try to box him out." And uh, I guarded him for maybe two points before they were already trying to huck to him, and uh, <laughs> and and they hucked it to him, and I got past him. And I went to body him out, but I kind of misread where the disc was going to drop. And I was like, oh, no, this is this is bad. I'm in a bad spot. So I just stopped. And right when I stopped, he was still kind of looking back for the disc and went to jump and just fell over me. And so then, uh, like, this uh, entire San Jose side was just like, what was that? He didn't even go for the disc. And so, and I was like, I couldn't. He fell on me. And, of course, the refs call a foul on him. And so it kind of set their sideline off, and I was kind of laughing a little bit. And, and that's back when Bacon was the player coach. He was like, X, you got to at least look like you're going for it. And I was like, I realized I was in trouble, so I just stopped. So I say I, that I was... remember that. I remember that very vividly, actually, that, that specific play. And it, it wasn't like you're trying to do anything dirty. You were just trying to find the disc, box it out, like, yep. like you mentioned, and... You know, it just happens sometimes. Yep. So almost made it to the deep water and realized I had to drop the anchor real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so and then um and then it was probably a few plays later where they then they hucked it to me. And that was um one thing that caught me off guard with, with the AUDL fields is cause it's like I'm gonna make this cut, but I think I'm kinda clearing be- because I feel like I'm too far too far out and and Red caught the disc, and he was like, all right, here we go. And he just launched it, and I was just like, oh, he's got the throw, and I've got plenty of space. So then then now he's guarding me, and he's, of course, the taller defender. So I kind of fainted in like I was going to try to go up and high point it, which got him to jump. And so then I just kind of faded back and caught it. So it was like – it was kind of like pouring salt in the wound, but it was still a really funny play. Mm. So Man. That's just smart play right there. Very smart. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, Marcelo, if you're if you if you're watching this, my bad. <laughs> you he actually is retiring this year. Well, at least from Spiders, he had, he's been a staple for a long time. His yes. his first year was 2014, and has has been on Spiders. I think. Uh, well, he might have moved to the Flamethrowers after the 2015 season. They went back to back championships, but. He is one of the most ridiculous players, highly underrated still, really solid. So to hear that story puts a smile on my face, knowing that you could uh, have some great plays against one of the best. Well, Speaking of great players, X, who has been someone or, or the people that have really helped you along your way in your career in Ultimate and inspired you? Um, I'm keeping this all in-house. It's, it's all aviators right here. So um, I'd say when I first started, uh, I really liked um, Shaq, Zach uh, Shackner. I really liked his tactics, and he was not afraid to body up on somebody. And, and a lot of times that will throw people off their game. When I first started, um, whenever we'd get the turn and go to offense, and that, next thing you know, people are bodying up on me. And, and that did throw me for a loop at first. And then I just started watching him, and then I actually started using the, the bodies to, um, to to my advantage. Because if they come to ground zero, now it's a foot race. Or now I can, like, you know, get their momentum going one way, and I can just take off. For so sure. I really liked watching um, watching him. 
uh, Weaver. He's like he's like a trash talking god. He's he's so entertaining <laughs> to watch, and 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 it was just kind of like I'd see him doing his thing, and so I'd be trying to sponge that up a little bit. Blitz is also amazing. Um, yeah, those when I first started, those guys are, were very um, inspirational. Um, now. Oof, let me see here. Okay, Sam Cooke has the most ridiculous catches just over and over and over. I don't understand how this... I, I, we need to check him for pine tar, stick him, like <laughs> something. I swear he's got like a fishing net in his back pocket, and every time he lays out, he just grabs the thing. Like, it's insane. Him, Marcel, um, I swear Danny Landisman has like active camo. This guy can be standing still. And then, like, you turn around, and all of a sudden he's 10 feet over that way with the disc in his hand. And, like, it's never, like, breakneck speed. He just he just disappears, reappears over here with the disc, <laughs> flying through the air. So those I, I love watching all those guys play. If you are listening to this right now, you need to pause the audio and get on Instagram and find the highlight of the catch Sam Cook made at TEP because... Almost that entire highlight looks like there's zero chance he's going to catch it. And then out of nowhere, he's the one that comes out with the disc. And you have no idea how he does it. And like I said, it happens constantly in our games. Yeah. It's insane. So pause right now. Go watch that. Come back. Yeah, that threw me for a loop. The defender looked like he beat him there. It was like, the defender crazy. has this. It was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy when the throw went up i was just like oh no i was like oh no <laughs> sam's gonna have to do some work to get this one and lo and behold that dude is a magician it's it that showcase game in particular was really fun for the team and, and playing in front of thousands of people the crowd was fantastic and and just the whole atmosphere so we really appreciate being able to play the all-stars and in the league for sponsoring that um yeah great stuff great stuff i was so jealous i didn't get to come yeah it was uh <laughs> oh man that killed me so i had i had tickets to fly to hawaii and so that's the reason i wasn't going to tp because i bought them like a couple of months in advance and then um at the same time uh sonia came up with a great idea like hey let's audition to be on a game show and so i'm like okay cool let's do this well since the Hawaii thing happened, I didn't go to TEP, but then all of a sudden the game show hits us back and was like, hey, we want you on the game show. And it was the same time as Hawaii. So I had to cancel <laughs> Hawaii, which Twice. means I could have gone to TEP and I was just, that was a gut punch. Oh, it's brutal. Next year. It's brutal. <laughs> that, that would be incredible if we went back to back years. We'll see what happens. Wherever we go, I'm going. Wherever, true. So you have been a lot of places. You have encountered a lot of different people through Ultimate. Related to that, what is an off-the-field story that you have had a like fun, random, weird experience that's Ultimate-related but doesn't involve being on the field? Oh, fun? Okay, let me think. <laughs> I mean, I feel like the majority of my ultimate stories that are fun that are not on the field, I probably can't say on here. I mean, half the half the <laughs> we, parties we've done. We've definitely game. had a couple of shady things on the podcast. So if you could keep it, you know, PG 12 and a half or something. 
<laughs> Maybe we can get by. Yeah, um, I mean, geez, last year I I almost missed the flight. Tweak left me, Sam left me, and made fun of me. And then he messed around and missed his flight. So Sam, if you're watching this, just know you're getting a text very soon. At least I didn't make my I didn't miss my flight. Um, yeah, my bad so, for outing you, Sam. <laughs> that's actually okay. Actually, that gives me an idea. So um, we when we did our Dallas trip, so we showed up there. And immediately I'm thinking, oh, we're in the great state of Texas, as they always say. I'm going to go buy me a cowboy hat. Yes. So it was, it was, geez, who was it? It was me, uh, Sam, Tweak, KJ, and uh, I feel like there was someone else that I'm forgetting. It might have been Ricky. And so we just walk into this giant barn-shaped like cowboy hat store, and it was like, like at the OK Corral when you walk in, and so then you've got you've got me and you got KJ and you got Ricky and and you know we're we're we didn't look like anybody else that's in that cowboy hat store. So everybody kind of turns and pauses and they're just kind of like, why are y'all here? And so oh, man. then I asked this this old dude like, hey, like I'm looking to buy a cowboy hat, and he's like, really? And so he's he's showing me all these different sizes and shapes. I finally pick one out. And then I'm wearing this thing everywhere I go. It's like a black suede cowboy hat. And we're in Texas, so I'm just like, I am rocking this until we leave. Uh, Coach saw it, thought it was hilarious. So now instead of calling me X, he's calling me Tex. And so then uh, we did the warm-ups and everything for the game. And I was like, all right, I'm wearing this out when we when we run up. Because we're in Texas. So, I mean, they can take it as a troll. They can take it as, you know, a, a, a nod. I didn't mean anything by it, but I just thought, hey, we're in Texas, so I'm going to get in character. <laughs> so and I wore that thing Dallas Austin I wore it everywhere that I, I love this story so much and experiencing it firsthand just seeing you wear that thing around was incredible just like so much fun that's what I'm talking about everyone if you don't know X he is a joy to be around there is there is no doubt about that <laughs> it, it was amazing I even wore it a couple of times here in LA and and that's even weirder because, like, I'm I'm not wearing you know cowboy clothes. I'm not wearing like denim jeans and boots and stuff. I'm I'm wearing you know Jordans and stuff with a black suede cowboy hat, and it was it was funny. Like I, I got a lot of compliments off of it just because it was like a unique look. I don't know if they thought I was an urban cowboy or something, but it worked. <laughs> I love that, uh, and I think there's no real good way to transition to the to the next question, so I'm just gonna do it, but. Since so how much are, work have you done as a cowboy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was. That's actually a great. That's a, a great segue because we do know that you're a, a stunt person and that you know you've been in movies, commercials, you've been in all sorts of stuff. But tell us a little bit more about that, and or tell us about that, and maybe the other projects you got going on. Okay, easy. Um, when I first came out here, I actually got sent out here to investigate car accidents for an insurance company. Um, the wow. guy that, the guy that was training me was, uh, or still is, he's an actor and he was like, man, you were in the military, you know how to race cars. Like, have you ever thought about being a stuntman? And, and that light bulb went off and I was just like, that's a really good idea. So... I went to stunt driving school and they teach you how to spin the cars around and slide them to a stop and do 360s in the parking spots and 
most of the stuff translated well from from racing just because you you need really good car control and and I, I have that so so then we're off to the races now now i'm getting uh i'm getting out there and i'm starting to meet people from the stunt world and doing the networking thing that everyone hates doing and got connected with one of the top black stunt drivers in in the country and uh he came from a football and a track background as well so then now we've got Boom. you know similar similar roots and so we we hit it off and and we we're still really tight and actually we're going to france and going to france in a, a month and a half to go watch the 24-hour le mans so um wow yeah wow. so so me and him were pretty tight and are still pretty tight and then um Usually when you start doing stunts, then at some point you'll get a role and they'll be like, oh, this one has dialogue. You're a stuntman, but can you do any acting? Matter of fact, you look more like an actor than a stuntman. And I'm like, well, yeah, I can. I can do both. And so then now I'm starting to do acting stuff. And then one day my agent calls me and it's like, hey, I got a, I got an acting job for you. Uh, not an acting job, a modeling job for MGM. And I'm just like, since when did I become a model? And he's like, since they started paying you, you're going. And I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm right. up. So, I mean, it's, it's, all of that stuff is, uh, is related. Um, it's funny you said the cowboy thing. My first job, almost, was supposed to be a, um, a, a gig on Westworld. And so I would have been a cowboy. Um, the only reason it didn't happen was because at that point I hadn't joined the Screen Actors Guild, which, mean, which meant that Westworld would have had to pay money for me joining. And mm. so they didn't have the budget. And so he was like, oh, I really don't want to have to do this to you, man. Like, we really want you. And, and they had already fitted me for wardrobe and all of this stuff. And then they had to cut me loose. Mm. And that is the business. Brutal. But you've been in some other amazing things. And you, as, far as, uh, as far as we know, you got some a little project called Super Pumped. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, okay, so um, uh, one of my buddies, we, we play flag football every Wednesday, and so he hits me up, and he's like, hey, you you play Ultimate Frisbee, right? And I'm like, yeah, and he's like, I think I got a TV show coming up that we could use you. And I'm like, just me? Like, do you need other people? And he's like, well, yeah, we're probably going to need some other people. And I'm like, I, I play for the aviators here. Like, I got you. Like, I can supply everyone you need. <laughs> So he was like, all right, I'll keep you posted on it. And this was probably back in October, November. And then through, through the Christmas break, I'm, I'm, I hit up uh, Jake and I was just like, hey, they need, a, they need a technical advisor. And, you know, him doing the assistant coaching and just his, his knowledge of the game in general. I'm like, he would be the perfect person to do it. And so I hit him up and he was down. Uh, and then just started reaching out to everybody, like anybody I could think of. Um, and the funny part was when I first started, re I reached out to probably 14 people at first, just based off of, um, the club team I was playing on hazard, the masters team members only. And then, and then the aviator guys and it, no one responded at first. It was probably, I think 14, 15 texts out, nobody responds. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna start messaging a few more people. And then they all responded at the same time. <laughs> and so it's just like, okay, who do I pick from? Yeah. And it was, it was rough. But um, yeah, so that was a good time. Uh, we all got we got all got picked up. Got to do super pumped. Uh, the funny thing is, they had pennies for the blue team, 
And then for the other team, they, we were like the ambiguous gray team slash red team. Like we just, we just looked like you, you just, you know, found us off the street ready to do a dance battle. And then, then we got a legit referee <laughs> and a referee shirt. And it's like, okay, so you got, you got scrubs over here in gray and red. And then you got dudes in a blue, in blue pennies and, and a ref. So this looks super official. And then dudes calling himself an airbender, the actor is. So it was, it was really funny. Um, the entire, from the moment we all showed up, because we all got there at whatever, super early in the morning, yeah. and they're doing wardrobe. And they had said specifically, I don't even remember what they said in terms of wear this, don't wear that. Mm-hmm. And then we get there, and now they're handing out different colors, and everyone's like, this isn't really going to play. <laughs> and one of the, like every, every single player looked at a production person and was like, this isn't really... And you can tell they were like, okay, guys, we get it. We know you're pros. We know you have your thing to do. We just got to make this happen. And this is how it's going to look. So just bear with us. And we were like, okay. <laughs> like, we just, okay, we're on this bus with you. We, you lead and we'll just do it, man. We're just here to throw some disc around. Oh, yeah. And if you're still lost, you can find this clip online. I think Aviators posted it, AUDL posted it, and... Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is is there as as the big name actor in the in the shot, which he is was pretty watching cool. us play. Did Did right you get there. to hang out with him at all, or was no. he kind of nah, hanging he on was, the side? He was like sitting in a tent in the shade, which I get. And then when he came out, he was like watching us for a little bit, and then kind of walked off to. You could hear him like rehearsing his lines and stuff. Um, I he, guess the paparazzi he's... was out there. Oh really? I didn't see that at yeah, all. Yeah, they got Blitz's layout. Oh, nice. Yeah, they Blitz uh, Blitz sent it to us. He was just like, hey, check this out. And it was like some website, and you see Blitz laying out, um, which Let's it didn't go. even make the final cut. I know. they Of all the awesome things that happened, they got, like, a cool moment. But, man, that was a long day of filming. And I get it. It's a long day yeah. of filming to use a very specific clip. But it was – he seemingly popped out of nowhere because we're going and we're playing and we're doing all this stuff over and over. Side note, one of the like longest days of Ultimate I ever had. We really had to drag out some points and oh. it was incredibly tiring. Yeah. But we're so we're doing this thing and like, okay, we got it. And then I look over and there's Joseph Gordon Levitt delivering a line. I was like, oh my God, he's right there. <laughs> like I wasn't expecting, I knew he was in the show, but I didn't know he was gonna be right there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, now I now I really gotta not look like an idiot. <laughs> so you proceeded to Sky Tucker like 17 times <laughs> and none of it got used <laughs> and none of it got used you even Man. skyed me once because you yeah. they hucked it and and there was no one around and i was like oh no i gotta make him look good so i ran over and <laughs> i still jumped and tried to do it and it didn't matter he was he was so far above me <laughs> and one of the production guys came over and he was like a couple of those looked really really good like this has real potential so i was like oh i might be it no <laughs> No, no, nothing nothing actually cool was in this shot. Dang, yeah. that's tough. Still awesome experience. And X, yeah. your, I, your, your life is just so much different and, and really fun to hear about. I, exciting is, and I, one of my favorite stories really quickly was when X shows up to practice or is a tryout or something. He was just like, yeah, I just jumped out of a plane. Just jumped out of a plane. <laughs> And I was like, what do you mean? You know, he's like, oh, yeah, just doing this thing. And I've never done it before. They just told me how. And I was like, 
Wait, you mean you didn't jump with anyone with you? He's all, nope, just did it. They just said, make sure to pull the chute when you hit this. <laughs> yeah, what? And I was like, oh my god. That was that was nuts. Um, that that was nuts. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was uh, so. That was my my birthday week, I think, or maybe maybe a little while after that, but. Um, yeah, I was like, okay, I want to learn how to fly a plane. So uh, I'm up in a Cessna and I'm flying around and stuff and I'm checking out the dolphins and I thought it was really cool. But, you know, in my head, I'm thinking like, what is the real world use of this? Because I'm probably not going to just fly myself from here to Malibu or something. I just, so I followed that up with skydiving. One of my buddies, uh, stuntman, he was just like, so uh, I'm thinking of going skydiving with a couple people like on Thursday. You want to go? And I'm like, for sure. So we're sitting in this class, and it's probably about four hours long, maybe a little bit more. And they're telling us how to pull the, like, the reserve chute. And I've got a really good memory, and they were like, oh, we're going to test you. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. And so then they're telling, what, telling us what to do if, if the chute gets twisted or if it doesn't come out. Um, you know, what, what altitude we should pull the, pull the cord. And then I'm just sitting there, and it's kind of like a lunch break. And I asked one of my buddies, I'm like, am, am I jumping by myself? And he's like, yeah, like, what did you think? And I was like, I thought I was going to have somebody on my back. And he's like, nah, you're jumping by yourself. And I'm like, oh, crap, okay. <laughs> so we do the test. I, I killed the test, got everything right. We do the little mock-ups because they got these, like, model planes that you can go out there and act like you're jumping and everything. And, and that was easy, had everything down. But when we get in this plane, this was like... It looked like just a paper towel roll that you were just balled up and ready to throw in the trash. It was like the this empty, just <laughs> piece of crap plane. And so they took my helmet from me. They took both of my radios from me. And we get in the plane. We start climbing. And this thing is just shaking. And I'm just like, okay, man, I hope I get back to the ground. I really hope I do. So so they hand me uh, the radios. And they kind of stick them on the front of my um, of my flight suit. And so they're like, oh, don't put the don't put the plugs in yet, the headphones. And I'm just like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, can I at least have my helmet? And he's like, not yet. I'm like, why? And I'm like looking at, at, at my wrist, and it's like we're climbing. We're like 7,000 feet. And I'm like, okay, I'm still just sitting here, no helmet, no nothing. And so then all of a sudden we hit like 11,000 feet, and everybody just gets up and starts just jumping out of the plane. And I'm like looking like, hey, are we going or not? And he, so, so then he's like sticks the helmet on me really fast. And they put the earphones in, and so then they just like, all right, come on, come on, come on, let's go. And it's just like, it's happening so fast. And I'm like, low-key kind of freaking out, but more so just trying to hurry up and get over there. So then it's time to jump. And so they want you to stick one hand on the outside, one hand on the inside, and you have to lean outside, and you look back at the guy, and he clears you, and then you jump. So I do all of this, and I'm like leaning outside, and I look at him, he's like, go ahead. And I'm just like... <laughs> so oh then I jump, gosh. and I at this point I am screaming a four-letter word as I'm flying out of the plane, and and then the thing that you never think about and nobody tells you is like, the minute you like level out, like the air just comes rushing up your nose, and it's it's so disorienting. So now I'm just like trying to figure out where I am, and and like they're giving me little hand signals and telling me like where to hold my hands and my feet and I'm following all that and we're doing good. They're giving me the thumbs up. And so then the 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 lady, she's flying around with the camera. And so she's like waving at me and stuff and she's like like trying to get me to smile for the camera. 
So by this point, as I'm waving and smiling, next thing you know, I feel myself get jerked up. And I'm just like, wait, what, what just happened? I look up, the shoot's out. And so I'm just like, I was supposed to do that. So now I'm just hanging there. They, uh, they, they take off. They're gone. Like, they didn't pull the shoot or anything. And so I'm looking around, and I'm like, all right, where is the runway? Oh, crap. <laughs> There's two. And so I'm just, like, sitting there, and I'm just kind of pulling the cords, and I'm just flying in a circle, and I'm just waiting until I can see the numbers on the runway to figure out which way is the right way. Finally find the right, the right one. So I'm, I'm trying to come in, and you're supposed to go in in kind of like a rectangle. So you, you make your final approach, and then once you hit a certain, a certain altitude, you turn, and you hit another altitude, you turn, but you can't go over the hangars, and you can't go over the runway. Well, I got a headwind. So I'm flying higher than what I should be. Oh, so, so when I hit the main strip to come to land, I'm much higher than what I should be, and I'm looking, and I see where everybody else has landed, and I'm like, well, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> And I, I look up ahead and I just see a canal. And I'm just like, please don't land in the water. And so I'm, I'm making a beeline. I'm trying to pull up on it, trying to get over the canal, but it looks like I'm just heading right into the water. But there's like this giant like embankment that's um, just right in the way. So at the last second, I pull the cords, go over the embankment, and just, just somehow sat down and never made it into the canal. Wow. And then I kissed the ground and I never went back. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, I'm s- and the other thing, when dude pulled my chute, so they were like, yeah, we're going to have to fail you on this test because uh, you didn't pull your chute. And I was like, you you didn't give me any hand signals to pull my chute or anything. And I, I, mean, I was like, yeah, I was supposed to see it, but I didn't, but at least give me the hand signal. He's like, I did. But I had the Hollywood package. They recorded me. I went back and looked. No hand signals. Of course. He didn't do it. Oh yeah, so if God. you're watching this... Have a nice day. <laughs> <laughs> I started sweating in the middle of that. That's so stressful. That was terrifying. If there are two things I will never do, it is jump out of a plane or bungee jump. Yeah. That just, oh my gosh. It was terrifying at first. One, in the, in, once the shoot came out, it was kind of peaceful until I realized I was going to land in the, in the canal. But. but like describing falling and all this happening and everyone's just like, yeah, talking, hand signals, flying around waves. Like, you're plummeting to the earth very quickly. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oof. I'm not doing that again. I, oh man, well, that, yeah, that is, I don't, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> well, from from that excitement, we'll move move forward with some other ground level excitement. Uh, you clearly have a lot going on between your work life and social life and being an ultimate player. Um, but with the aviators, you are also taking on, have taken on a new role that is also going to complicate your life a little bit. So let everybody know what this role is, what it looks like, what we get to expect from you, and how that plays into how your life transpires now. Okay. Yep. Ninja Baller over there starting a script show. <laughs> uh, um... Oh, he couldn't hear me because he doesn't have the earbuds in. No, and this is not a video <laughs> podcast. Okay. Uh, well, at least they can they can leave it up to their imaginations. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, the first year I started playing, I was kind of watching, um, you know, Devin and Sonya and seeing what they were doing and just kind of, you know, just just trying to 
see what it's like behind the scenes. And then in 2021, I was definitely checking them out a little bit more and went up to Devin and started talking to him about what he does on a day-to-day basis. And it always um, was something that I was pretty interested in. So um, at the end of the year, I started sending him messages trying to trying to make this happen. And then uh, eventually he connected me with uh, Steve Hall. And as of February, I became an owner for the Aviators. So let's go. Yeah. So that was a uh, love that. Very exciting. But since then, it's been it's been a lot of work. Um, still fun. Um, definitely happy to see where things are going. Um, I'm officially, besides owner, I'm officially head of marketing and fan acquisition, and that's been entertaining. Just because, like, I've got an undergrad in e-marketing, and I've got my master's in MBA specializing in marketing. So it's always been something that I was interested in. But this was, uh, <laughs> this has been fun. Um, so we hired Lotto as uh, our social media manager, and Lotto has been crushing it. Like, to this point, he is, I think he's got, he's gotten us more followers within the last month than we had the entire last year. Like, he is, mm-hmm. he is killing it. Um, and, and now, it, like, a lot of our posts are, are they're starting to get up there. It's like, I remember when we did the Super Pump post, it had 600 and some odd likes. And that was, like, big because that was, like, our most liked post ever. And then mm-hmm. our most recent post is is getting close to 1,000 now. So that's, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're just, we're gaining that momentum. And I think a lot of that has to do with TEP because they're, they're, those those people down there are so supportive and they've been been very gracious with um you know their support of us and, and what we do. But it's it's definitely getting getting bigger and bigger and now the the fan acquisition part is um is something that's been entertaining. I've got a few tricks up my sleeve. I'm not gonna air out everything just because I'm not sure when we're rolling out some of these new things, but it's definitely something new to the AUDL in general and um and some of those parts have never been done in the AUDL like whatsoever in any shape form or fashion so I'm I'm very excited about it uh and and here we are what two days before before game one so as as somebody focused in that area and obviously not going into details about exactly what you're doing but with the wisdom you have in this area and stuff just what's a quick thing for for somebody who doesn't know a fan listening or maybe even a player who just has no sense of how this happens what what do you look at in terms of strategies for fan acquisition like what is what does that mean what are you targeting people are you coming up with different like what is what does that look like as a marketer that is trying to get more eyes to a sport well so Right now, I am definitely targeting. Um, I'm targeting multiple things. I'm targeting, um, you know, 18 to 34 demographic. I'm targeting. I'm targeting the kids. I'm targeting, um, you know, different ethnicities. Definitely, you know, African American. Trying to get a lot more diverse in the stands. And so, this has been one of those things where it's like, okay, we need to bring ultimate to their neighborhoods. So they know we exist, and and you know I'm I'm planning on being there as well, just so they know they can see someone who looks like them, and and that's just going to be one of those things where I'm sure it's not going to happen 
right away, but it's going to take some time. But we're going to try to do some like youth clinics and stuff in Inglewood and, and work that area and um, and just put some time and effort in, in there and see if we can get some people. I mean, for aviator games, people under 18 get in for free or kids under 18 get in for free. So I figure, you know, if we can get some of those kids hooked, then, you know, hopefully they'll they'll bring their parents and you know it could be a fun family night or you know for the 18 to 34 it could be a date night and that's kind of what I've been what I've been pitching to some of my friends the people in the industry but I would really like to you know go after the kids go after a more diverse group because I think that we'll see a lot more growth a lot quicker that way yeah that's huge I think that that's one of the main goals of the AII as well which is the AUDL inclusion initiative just bringing more diversity to the sport and helping people realize that this is for everyone. You can watch it at any age. You can play it pretty much at any age and it's just a blast. So that though, hearing you talk about that, it's, it's clear having you as an owner is, is going to be a, an amazing thing for, for the team and, and helping us to take that next step in not only getting more fans, but just, helping to grow the sport, which is really important to all of us. So appreciate that, dude. Absolutely. And that starts this Saturday. <laughs> we, I don't know how much of a preview we are going to give uh, because, you know, we're just getting things going. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> first game of the season, we get the pleasure of hosting it at home. So this, I think you should be listening to this coming out on Friday the 29th. Our game's tomorrow, Saturday, April 30th at 6 o'clock versus the Salt Lake City Shred, one of the new teams in the league and specifically in our division. We are back at Occidental College. For those who yes. may or may not be aware, we had a couple seasons there in the past. We are back there at Jack Kemp Stadium. Game time, 6 o'clock. Keoy's excited to be back there. What a, so what stands excited. out? What stands out to you about <laughs> Occidental? I think the main thing is how much the fans like it. They have always said that they enjoy that stadium more than the stadiums that we've played at uh, after that. Which is no knock on the on those, but it just no. it's it's a really good viewer experience. The it is. the yeah that they have these beautiful tiered levels that you can you know sit where you want and and the and the field is situated um in just like a, a a nice view so it's it's a great atmosphere and uh a clean safe place as well and just very fa family friendly plus the field itself to actually play on is is really nice and i heard that they re-turfed it so that's also going to be pretty cool i'm excited to step on that field again for first time in a few years man that's gonna be awesome i can't wait get the break uh break seat uh salt lake in break him into the idea for the first time and talk about a rough two games to start their <laughs> franchise yeah. you know career with because san diego is not gonna be an easy game traveling there and then they gotta face us on the second day i think I think we're going to really take it to him. One thing that Columbia did was help build a lot of chemistry in our team is one of the best things that we could have done. And our defense is looking really strong. So I, I think Utah is in a world of hurt. I, I'm going to say, you know, 
we usually do score predictions. Very difficult to tell because we don't know what Utah looks like. But I'm, I'm going to say this. I say we win by four goals. Woo. I say we win by four goals at least. I think I think we're going we're gonna to put it to them. Oh, man, that SoCal gauntlet is going to be the truth. Uh, yeah, they. so for those unaware, the season does start Friday night. Salt Lake City has to go into San Diego and then come up to us on Saturday. So, yeah, like you said, that's a starting the season with a road doubleheader is just a rough way to start anyway. Coming all the way down from Salt Lake and having to face us two in SoCal. Looking to, looking to take advantage on day two. That yep. should be a fun time. But I know they got a lot of young, really explosive players so for those young guys you know the, the back-to-back doesn't doesn't affect them as much as us three right here some of the <laughs> I, i'm gonna say some of the more experienced men in the league gentlemen in the league you know so it's uh it'll be it'll be a huge challenge because they're gonna be hungry if they lose on friday they're gonna be really really motivated to beat us on saturday so i'm expecting a challenging game but i just think our defense and the way that our offense is playing pretty consistently even in the preseason is, is going to be too much for them i agree we got some we got some new blood now we got everest in there we got a bunch of a, a bunch of young fast athletic uh guys that are gonna make some noise and i really think that the adl is not giving us the credit that is due i mean yeah last season the record is the record but that doesn't show how many close games there were with with tough calls that decided the game and you know you change a few of those and that that record looks completely different so i really think they're um they're not giving us enough credit and that's gonna that's gonna show this year yep we're always underrated that's for sure so i i i don't mind it i don't mind being an underdog for the start of the season and and we just climb those rankings <laughs> as the as the year goes on so yeah, it, it'll be a tough season in the West, but really fun. I'm very excited. Well, I think that's a good place to leave off and have our listeners be super excited for the season starting. Um, again, 6 o'clock, Saturday evening, Occidental College, Jack Kent Stadium. If for whatever reason you can't make it, get that AUDL TV subscription. Get on that. You can watch every game in the league, but make sure when you sign up that you favorite the Aviators as your main team because that helps us out in the finance department when you do that. It shows that, that we got some supporters out there, so make sure you're connected and, and getting that coverage because there's going to be a lot of... We've already shown. We, we got the highlights from TEP. We're going to be a highlight-level team this year, so you don't want to miss out any of the action. X, thank you so much for joining us. Super stoked for you to be on the field and for everything you're going to do uh, in the ownership level. Cannot wait to see these things that you're bringing to the table. Hey, thank you all for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks X. That was awesome. All right. We will see you next week. Thank you. Aviators fans.